to Altered with Chris. My name is Kat. I sound nasally. Do I sound nasally? Well, I, are you still sick? Uh, not really, but maybe I have some phlegm in my throat. Hold on. Anyways, what's up? Uh, I didn't mention my name. I think you mentioned my name. My name is <laughs> Crystal. My name is Kat. today. Oh, what are we doing with our lives? Um, podcasting poorly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said there's that one girl that really enjoys us, so yay yes. her. Um, it, I don't know if she'll be embarrassed, and I hope she isn't, because <laughs> the first thing she said to me was she apologized for her her Instagram name, but I actually uh-huh. really enjoy it. Uh, her name is Big Booty Riley, and <laughs> she's so nice, like. Like, she was so nice. Gotta um, love Big Booty Riley. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, hello, Big Booty Riley. <laughs> She's probably dying right now. Um, I I don't know if you've been so uh, getting on to, like, actual episode stuff. Um, I don't know if you were following this case at all. Which one? Um, but we covered it uh, in the pre-Cat era. Episode three, we did an episode on Michael Gargiulo, the Hollywood Ripper. Oh. Did you see the news that came out about him recently? No, I did not. So d- are you familiar with the story? A little bit, yeah. Okay, so um, he went on trial for the two women that they absolutely linked him to that he murdered. And I did not realize that I maybe I realized it at the time, but he just got sentenced like he was convicted over a year ago and he was just sentenced. And this is the interesting part. He was sentenced in California like less than a week ago. He was sentenced to death. Really? Yeah. In California? Yeah. I thought they stopped that. I mean, there's a moratorium on carrying it out. Like, they're not performing anymore for now, but it's not illegal. So I guess they can still sentence people to death. Oh. And then basically that's just life, basically, because if they're I mean, not- until Gary Newsom gets out of office and maybe the next senator will suspend the moratorium. Is his name Gary Newsom or is it Gavin Gavin Newsom. Yeah. Gary. All the G's. Maybe maybe it's Gary. Maybe Gary. Maybe it's short. Gavin could be maybe short Gary for could Gary. Be short, short for Gavin. <laughs> AKA. Just like Richard is no, that's not. What is it? Little Pete. Little Pete. Harry. I don't know. Ah <laughs> uh, man. But that was the true crime news I had from this week just because it was a case that we covered um i've noticed that episode is actually getting a few more downloads now that the news has resurfaced about him getting convicted and he's supposed to be extradited back out to illinois i believe Uh um to face the the potential murder that he's i think he's responsible for um of a teenage girl oh that was murdered um, so if anybody wants more information on that, because it has been a very long time and I haven't looked at my notes in a really long time and I have a really bad three. memory, yeah, go back and listen to episode three because I covered it a while ago. Just so you know, it is not me in that episode. Um, so try not to cry <laughs> when you're listening to it. <laughs> you miss me right after that episode. You could just come back and do this three-parter that I've been <laughs> Yeah, we're about to listen to part three. <laughs> part three. I'm sure after, but you know what? Can I tell you something? Uh, not a fan of the three parters right now. <laughs> I feel like Are I'm you had, a little burnt out. I feel like I've had enough with the Weaver clan, and I kind of want to like, kind of want to like push them away. You did this to yourself. I did do this to myself. Actually, Actually you know what? Julie, Julie did, it did to this you. to me. So we blame Julie. I'll blame Julie. Uh, Julie Julie won't care. Uh, Actually, she will. I don't know. Hi, Julie. Um, So 
This is the last part of our three-part series on Meet the Weavers. If you haven't listened to part one or two, uh, go ahead and listen to those uh, parts first, just so you can get a general idea and background of like the family connections here. Uh, but I, you know what? As I've been doing these three parts, if someone listened to these parts out of order, they'd still be able to get all the information and figure it out. So it's not like pertinent you know, to no, understanding. It's, it's interesting to see the evolution going down yes. the generations rather than jumping around. Yes. So this part three is going to focus on Francis Paul Weaver, who is the son of um, Ward Weaver III, who is the son of Ward Weaver Jr., also known as Little Pete. So we've gone from grandfather to son to now son's son, uh, if you will, right? Grandson. Grandson, yes. <laughs> did you just forget that was a word? I did. <laughs> uh, why are words hard for me? I don't, I don't understand. Uh, You're bilingual, that's why. I, I know. I'm going to blame it on um, my, it's a, what is that called? It's a cultural uh Barrier. That's what I'm <laughs> Cultural barrier. Whatever. Language barrier. Whatever. Language barrier. Language <laughs> barrier. That's what. Uh, moving on. I don't know if you can play that card because you're pretty fluent, but. Okay. That's all right. We'll play. I'll play it when I need it. And I need it right now because I don't even understand what I'm talking about. So Francis's life starts in 1982. He was born in December to Maria and Ward Weaver. This was their first son together. They weren't married yet, but they would eventually get married. Um, if you listen to part two, Maria and Ward just had a horrible just relationship. They were constantly fighting. Um, there was uh, alcohol and drugs involved. Um, they The kids, when... When Maria and Ward were getting along for like a brief moment, they were with both mom and dad. And then other times Ward was gone and they were just with Maria or they were all with Ward. It was just a constant just back and forth and kind of like not very stable life uh, for Francis. He had two other siblings, um, a Another son was born after him, and then his, uh, the youngest of Maria and Ward's children, her name was Mallory, and we're also going to oh, talk yeah. about her later, too, uh, because she is not untouched by uh, the criminal life either, unfortunately. So Francis, you know, he kind of, his childhood, just pretty rocky. Um, as a kid in school, he was kind of unfocused and his grades and it's, his attendance suffered a lot just due to the instability at home, right? Yeah. Um, especially when everything later, he was 19, 18, 19, when everything goes down with his dad and uh, the murders of the two Oregon City girls. But um, since he was going back and forth between mom and dad, because eventually during his childhood, mom and dad do divorce, um, the kids were used as pawns, basically, and they were, you know, shipped back and forth between the parents. And so moving different schools, you know, having kind of an, un, uh, an unstable life, that just... We don't have the greatest start for Francis, obviously. Right. That's kind of really just his childhood in a nutshell. Then in 1999, when Francis was 16, he was in Idaho. And I think he was living at with his mom at this time in Idaho. But um, I'm not quite sure. But regardless, he's in Idaho. And apparently him and a group of friends... They're just out fooling around, but then Francis decides for one reason or another to shoot a rifle into a truck of teenagers. And like most of these teenagers were his friends. As what? a matter yeah. As a matter of fact, one of the the teenagers in the truck was his best friend and the only person in the truck to be injured by him just randomly just shooting a rifle into the truck. 
Was he drunk or? No, he wasn't drunk. I think that it was just a case of teenagers all playing around and and apparently playing with with rifles. And he just decides to maybe as a joke or maybe fooling around, just shoot the rifle into the truck of these teenage boys. So I'm not sure what exactly, there wasn't much on the backstory of that. I just know that because of that incident, he was charged with assault and aggravated assault. And he spent a few months in juvenile detention in Idaho uh, for that incident. Okay. Then in 2002, this is when everything goes down with his dad. Because I think after the 1999 in, uh rifle incident he moves uh to oregon city with his dad ward weaver and his dad's new girlfriend and he's living there with uh dad's girlfriend his little sister mallory and um i think dad's girlfriend also had a daughter that was living with them too so this was all in like 2000, 2002. So when I was reading all of this, I kind of pieced together that I think after this Idaho incident, after he left juvenile detention, I think he went back and started living with dad in Oregon City. Um, so in 2002, this is when Francis is 19. He actually calls the police, 911, to report the rape of his girlfriend, by his father. So if you remember in part two, this uh, young woman was found uh, running down the street in Oregon City with nothing on but a tarp. Right. Um, and she tells the police after the police, you know, track her down and get there that she's been raped by uh, Ward Weaver III, who was currently under not official investigation, but under They're suspicion. Kind of keeping an eye on it. Yeah, under suspicion for the murder of the two Gardner Middle School girls in that who had gone missing in Oregon City. So when he calls to report the rape of his girlfriend, he's telling them, Yeah, my dad raped my girlfriend, but he also told the 911 operator this, and this is a direct quote. I need to tell everyone about my father, man, about what he did to those girls. I know what he did. He did it. He kidnapped those girls. He raped them and he killed them. So he's talking to the operator about Ashley and Miranda. So that ends up with Ward Weaver getting arrested and listen to part two if you want to know how that all unfolded. So that was obviously traumatic for for Francis and I'm sure for Mallory, his little sister, who was friends with Ashley and Miranda. I mean, they would have sleepovers at Mallory's house because and they you know were... she probably blames herself a oh, little bit. I'm because I'm sure that's how these girls ended up in Ward Weaver's life. I'm sure. So that had to have messed everybody in that household. That you know that was obviously traumatic. Messed them up a little bit. Um, in 2004, you know, Francis is just trying to kind of move on with his life, move past everything that's happened, and he actually tries to start a rap career. It really, <laughs> it was, I wasn't going to laugh, and then you laughed, I was going to try to be very respectful to Francis, but yeah, his name, um, and I and I hope I pronounce this correctly, but I... I really actually don't give a shit if I don't. Um, it is Kula Adri Kula, which... I'm confused. Uh, keep going. So, I mean, if I was going to be a rapper, I'd pick a different name, but, you know, to each his own. He does... During this, he's trying to kind of, like, jumpstart his career. So he's more than happy to do interviews with, uh, with news stations, right? They really just want to interview him about his about father. His yeah, yeah, being Ward Weaver. And he kind of wants to, you know, kind of drop his album, right? Um, but in these interviews, he's basically just, like, obviously the news people want to talk about Ward Weaver and he's just like yeah you know what everything has just been so hard since all of this happened uh my family and I were traumatized by everything and obviously our family history and this is just like 
this is just like too much. Um, so, I mean, when I was looking at some of those interviews or reading some of the articles, I did kind of feel bad for him, right? Because that, yeah. that sucks. I mean, first you have grandpa who's a murderer and now your dad who's killed uh, two two of your sister's friends in a right. horrible way. So I, I get it. Then in 2005, he is convicted of manufacturing or delivering a scheduled controlled substance. And this happens in Classop County. So that happens. And then he was acquitted a week later in a robbery burglary incident in a Southeast Portland home, which I guess he was accused of of holding two people hostage in in order to rob them and he was working with somebody else and then this just kind of is a domino effect for the next nine years like he just keeps getting in trouble i found when i was looking at pictures of francis weaver he seriously has probably I don't know, 25 mugshots, 25 different mugshots. Oh, really? Yeah. So for the next nine years, this guy is just in and out of trouble. Um, Too bad being Kula the rapper didn't work out because now we're just, uh, we're just, just in and out of trouble. Um, So he has an extensive criminal history and it's mostly made up of Possession charges, drugs, um, assault, you know, some weapon stuff. So to say that Francis is not on the right path would be putting it lightly. But, I mean, this kid, I don't think had a fair shot. Uh, I don't think so either. From the, from the beginning. Yeah, and I, I honestly think it was that first... Uh, the rifle incident that yeah. left him in juvie because really if you don't get the proper help in juvie it's all downhill from there well and you know and that happened prior to his father being you know convicted of murder yeah um so we can't really say that it was that crime that kind of led him to his downward spiral i think just you know throughout these three parts we've been talking about nature versus nurture and it's it's just crazy. I, I honestly think for a lot of this, it's like, it's nature. I, I I don't know. I think there's like a chemical, something in your brain for stuff like this. I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm not a psychology major. The first two, uh, junior and the third, I thought it was more nurture than nature. Well, but then if you look at Ward Weaver, the third, he, his dad wasn't even in his life for most of his childhood and growing up, but he turned out just like his dad, even some of the childhood stuff he that was he would still, do. He was still abused in his childhood. By his stepfather, yeah. Yeah, by Ab- his abuse stepfather. Abuse abuse. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's I, interesting that some of his activities mirrored his father's. That's yeah. a little interesting. And that's, but. I think, why my brain goes more towards uh, nature. But anywho. Um, so before we go into kind of the big thing that, that gets Francis in trouble, um, I want to talk a little bit about Maria and Ward. Because... Ever since Francis got in trouble for this big case, and you'll find out about it, she is very adamant about the fact that, oh, like, my son didn't do this. I know it's in his blood, but he didn't do this. And by the way, Ward really isn't his father. What? Uh, Yeah. So when Francis was born... Okay, Maria and Ward Weaver were together and Ward Weaver believed that Francis was his son and he still believes it to this day. The birth certificate identifies Ward Weaver, the third to be his father. He has his given last name. But then 20 years later, when all of this comes up, 
Maria would claim and claims that Ward is not his biological father. And then when you ask her, okay, who's his biological father? She's like, well, maybe it's this Marine named Richard or this Navy guy named Steve. Because remember, she met Ward Weaver III in, um, when he was stationed in Vietnam. Do um, you think that she was just trying to find a way to protect her son from bias? I most definitely think so. And I think uh, she just kind of saw the same kind of pattern, you know, with Ward Weaver III before she even found out that he killed those girls. Like him always being like living in the shadow of what his dad did. And so people always being suspicious of him. And mm-hmm. now I think she felt the same about her son. Um and then when they're like, okay, well, let's talk to Richard or Steve. And she's like, oh, I, I don't know where they are. And I, they're both dead. Uh, all right. And so. How do you know that they're dead ex- if you don't know where they are? Exactly. And so she claims Weaver. She says that Ward Re- Weaver raped her. And so in order to get back at him, she would sleep with other men. Not sure how that would get back at him for raping her. But she would sleep with other men. And then. um and that Francis isn't his because it could be these other men that she slept with in order to get back at Ward. And that's about it. But so in some articles, if you go and you look, it will say that Francis Weaver is Ward Weaver's stepson, but he's not. It's never, he's never wanted to do a DNA test. She will never say to do a DNA test. Um, I think she's just trying to... This is just a rumor she started to try and protect her son. Yeah, this is something that she tells newspapers all the time. Um, So, like I said, Maria and Ward had another son named Alex, and then Mallory. All three, Francis, Alex, and Mallory, are Ward Weaver's children. Um, And they eventually divorced in the 90s, and then later she remarried and changed her last name to Shaw. So now she's known as Maria Shaw and not Maria Weaver. So I just wanted to get that out of the way because some people do refer to him as the stepson of Ward Weaver, but he is not Ward Weaver's stepson. He is Ward Weaver's son. Okay. So now fast forward to February of 2014. Francis Weaver, who is now 31 years old and is temporarily living with his mother, Maria, in uh, an apartment complex in Camby with his girlfriend. He has a close friend who is also the next door neighbor in that apartment complex. His name is Michael Oren, and he's 27. And Michael Oren um, is married to or is he has a girlfriend. And her last name is Endicott. I never really get a first name, but her last name is Endicott. Anyways, the three of them are hanging out all the time, um, and they come up with this great idea. And their idea is they are going to steal drugs from a known drug dealer in Grants Pass, and his name is Edward Spangler, and he is 43 years old. So, How is this a good idea? Oh, because it's a great idea. Listen to the plan we have, okay? okay. <laughs> so the reason they know Edward of Edward Spangler is because Maria um, – his mom introduced Francis to Spangler because he was actually supposed to provide Maria with some medical marijuana to treat her chronic pain and also cancer. Not sure what type of cancer she has, but it was going to be used to treat that. I would also like to point out that uh, mom Maria has some mental health issues as well that she's in and out of the hospital for ever since she divorced Ward Weaver. So I'm just going to throw that out there understandable i probably would too yes so they they're like yeah so francis is like edward spangler always has a ton of drugs on him i think we should totally steal the drugs and michael's like this is a great idea let's get our friend uh shannon betancourt on it so they get their other friend shannon betancourt who is a 32 year old man to join in on this plan to help he's like this sounds like an amazing idea so the plan was that weaver was going to call 
Spangler down from Krantz Pass to Canby, Oregon, where they all are, it, on the pretense of, I'm going to buy all these drugs from you. I need you to drive from Grant's Pass uh, to Canby to sell them to me. So Spangler's like, sweet, you're going to buy all these drugs? Yeah. So um, while he was selling these drugs to Weaver, Oren and Betancourt were going to break the window of his Hyundai SUV and steal a suitcase of drugs that Francis knew was going to be in there and it was going to be 15 pounds of marijuana. Okay. <laughs> this is like, this is basically like Ocean's Eleven. I think they have this like totally, totally planned out and wrapped up. So this was supposed to be what they were calling a smash and grab, right? <laughs> okay. Um, so this whole plan took about six hours to prepare for there. So they're super prepared. Okay. Weaver even steals a handgun from a friend's house to give to Oren for this plan. Now, if it was just going to be a smash and grab, not quite sure why they need a handgun, but uh, all right. Or to break the window. <laughs> you could just use a tactical flashlight, but okay. This is what I'm saying, okay? Um, he also got a shotgun for him, but that wasn't used in the crime, so we don't have to worry about that. But when you're going to do a smash and grab, a handgun and a shotgun is kind of the way you want to go. Um, Weaver's mother, Maria, was actually at Betancourt's apartment the night this all takes place. And it's remember, it's the apartment directly next to hers, babysitting the kids that Oren and Endicott had, apparently. And I think these are different, like, children from different fathers. Not that I'm trying to say anything about Betancourt or Endicott, but whatever. Um, so. So. <laughs> I, I, can you repeat some of this for me? So. Betancourt and Endicott are neighbors of Maria's? No. Oren and Endicott. Michael Oren. And his girlfriend, Endicott, they are neighbors of Maria Shaw. Francis is staying with Maria Shaw, his mother, temporarily with his girlfriend. So Okay, so Maria is babysitting their kids just as a, hey, we're going to go on a date tonight yeah, when we watch the kids. Exactly. So Maria is in, in Michael Oren's apartment watching the kids. Okay. Later, she is going to say, there is no way Francis was involved in this because he was sleeping in the apartment with his girlfriend. Well, how do you know if you were babysitting for Michael Oren in the apartment next door? But, but I mean, if she was in the apartment next door, you could reasonably say that she knew what was going on in there. Yeah, but it's Maria Shaw. And I mean, come on. She just doesn't want to believe her son did anything. And you'll, okay. you'll see. So this all goes down um, in the early morning hours of um, Sunday, February 16th. And records show that Weaver and Oren are texting back and forth up to minutes before this happens about Spangler's location. Like Oren's like, where is he? And Weaver's like, I'm trying to get him to a certain spot. What they were trying to do is I guess they had another spot in mind that Weaver was going to try to get Spangler to go to. And that's where the whole smash and grab could take place. But um, since these two are the not are not the brightest crayons in the box. They're like, this is too complicated. So just have them go to our apartment in the parking lot. Because oh, because that's <laughs> commit a, a violent crime yeah, right where we live, right in, in our own in, in okay. our own backyard. Um, so they just ended up deciding, you know, we're just going to complete this plan here. And by the way, they live in the Forest Manor Apartments in Canby. So Spangler's car is in the parking lot behind Weaver and Oren's complex, and um, they decide, okay, this is just going to have to be the place. So, Weaver texts Oren, his car is down there, just go down there and, um, and get the drugs, get our stuff, just do the smash and grab like we talked about and we have poorly planned out. So, Oren and Betancourt now go down and they approach the car and they attempt to break the window of the SUV, but 
Spangler's in there. Mr. Spangler is in his car, which I don't think he was supposed to be, but he is in his car. And that's not, you know, nice of Weaver not to let him know that he's in the right, car. If, and this is 2014. They can text. It, well, I know. And they have the records that they were texting the whole time prior to this. So Betancourt's attorney later says that they didn't know he was in there. Like he wasn't supposed to be in there. Right. And mm-hmm. obviously nobody told these guys that he was still in there. So Oren opens the driver's side door and then shoots Spangler twice in the face and in the back of the shoulder. This whole time in minutes as this is going down, Spangler has his keys in the ignition and he's trying to get away. And Oren shoots again. And Spangler manages to drive off. He drives west out of the parking lot, obviously erratically, because he's been shot twice, three times. Yeah. And he hits a few cars out of the parking lot and then, like, manages to just crash through the parking lot. And his car ends up crashed into a tree in Locust Park, which is basically across the street from the um, apartment complex. And unfortunately he is dead. Yeah. So as he's driving away, he's really not under control. It's um, his final motor movements were him trying to get away and then he died. And then he died. Yeah. And then just, yeah, just crashed into that tree. Now, during the trial, what is speculated and what they kind of piece together from Michael Oren's trial and from Weaver's trial is, is that um, Oren and Betancourt run back to Oren's apartment and apparently his girlfriend was in there and he tells his girlfriend that they had just killed Spangler. Weaver then busts into the apartment and says, what the fuck happened? Um, ben Court says, I have no idea. You need to ask Oren, Michael Oren. And Weaver asks, well, did you still get the drugs? They say no. So Weaver tells them to go back and get it. And they're like, dude, no, we're not going to go back and get it. He's like, there's a whole scene out exactly. there now. He smashed up a bunch of cars. Exactly. So Weaver runs from the apartment, doesn't go back to his apartment. He just starts running. The police are now at the scene. They find Spangler dead. Um, It's around 5 a.m. now. And basically because these guys aren't smart enough, the police were able to do their job, piece it together, and all three men, Weaver, Oren, and Betancourt, were arrested less than like 24 hours later for the crime. So they're all arrested. While they were awaiting trial... Like I told you before, Maria swears up and down that there's no way Weaver is involved in this and that the only reason police think that Francis is involved is because he has his father's blood, but that's not even his real dad. So why would you say that that because that's in his blood, but it's not his real dad? So she keeps... But she's not saying that it's because it's in his. So when she's saying because it's in his blood, she's saying that from their point of view. But now she's dropping a bombshell that, oh, but by the way, that's not true because it's not even in his blood because that's not his real dad. Oh, that's true. And this is probably her Hail Mary, too, on that. Yeah. So she is desperately trying to stop any kind of bias. Totally. Totally. Um, so she tries to give him an alibi. She claims that Francis and his girlfriend were asleep in the apartment um, and she was there. And that's why, she, you know, that's why she knows that there's no way he could have been involved with this plan. But then Oren points out, uh, no, she was in our apartment the whole entire night. But like you said, you could still know if someone's in the next apartment. But again, the police aren't buying it, right? Yeah, then with all the cell phone records that yeah, are going exactly. on. exactly. Like, you could say someone stole your phone. Yeah. But at that point, how many coincidences are we talking about here? Exactly. So obviously during the trial, you know, Francis's team presents this as just basically a robbery turned homicide. And all three men are basically now blaming each other. They all have separate tri- trials, right? Weaver right. was found obviously not to be the gunman, but that he was still responsible for the murder because he was the master behind the plan, right? right. So was he 
What was he charged with? Let me come to that in a second. So then Weaver's defense claims that he didn't, that he did not provide the gun and that he told Betancourt and Oren only to steal from Spangler, not to kill the him. So his defense team is claiming, no, he, he didn't provide the gun. He doesn't own any guns. But it turns out he stole a gun from a friend. And the reason he doesn't own any guns or his defense team is saying he doesn't own any guns is because he is already on probation and isn't supposed to own any guns. Right. Because of his extensive record. I mean, that doesn't mean he can't illegally own a gun. Exactly. Or steal slash borrow one from a friend. (laughs) Right. Right. So um, he's found guilty of murder, first and second degree robbery, and conspiracy to commit first and second degree robbery, and a felon in possession of a firearm. So that's what he's charged with. Okay, even though he wasn't in possession and they couldn't prove he was in possession? Well, in possession in the fact that he had given the firearm to Oren. Okay. Um, so on March 11th, 2016, he was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years. Okay. Is he still there? Oh, you'll find out. So Weaver apologized for his role. And he even addressed Spangler's family in court saying that, you know, Spangler wasn't supposed to die that day and that he's really, really sorry. And that he feels like, you know, this is like the biggest mistake of his life. So he's different in... you know from his father and grandfather in that he does he's showing do you think it's genuine Mm, I do I feel like Francis is different from his dad and his grandfather I really feel like this was just a plan that just was not that just planned right it didn't go right no and I don't think these guys are the brightest you know So I think they, uh, it just wasn't a good plan. So Oren has a separate trial. And since Oren was the one that pulled the trigger, he is found guilty and pleads guilty to aggravated murder. And he is sentenced to a mandatory 30 years before he is eligible for parole. So there was like, he, there was a plea deal that went down before this that as a matter of fact is going to come back and kind of help Francis in a second and you'll find out what happens okay. um, the two the two co-conspirators Betancourt and um, Endicott because they were charged in this they were just convicted of robbery and sentenced to seven years both of them so just as recently as April in 2021, Francis is actually getting a new trial. Oh. On October 19th of this year. Why? Because um, the Oregon states, the Oregon Supreme Court in 2020 overturned the murder conviction. And it is because the plea bargain agreement that they gave Oren violated Francis's constitutional rights. Which one, like under what circumstances? So basically, and this was unreported at the time, Clackamas County DA struck a deal with Oren that, and I quote, strongly discouraged him from cooperating with Francis's attorneys or testifying on his behalf. Oh. So the DA got to Oren first and said, hey, listen, do not help your buddy Francis. And if you don't in his trial, like with the information that you find that would prevent us from getting him convicted, Francis involved and convicted of murder, Uh we will reduce your sentence and you won't get as much time as you would for this murder. Right. So they were basically like, you can either go down with him Uh or you can help us get him and keep him there and we'll help you out. Yeah. And if you don't do this, we're going to recommend the death penalty for you. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that one. So right after Francis was found guilty, his attorneys um, then began to appeal and it went to the Oregon Supreme Court and they overturned it. And now he gets a new trial. 
um, on October 18th of this year. There is no word yet if Oren is going to testify in that trial. Wow. Yeah. So I will update you on that um, when that happens. Because I wonder if that would affect... I mean, his deal's already already been struck. They can't change his uh, sentence at this point. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if there's anything in... I mean, they've basically said that the original plea agreement was unconstitutional. So if there's any provisions in there against Oren testifying now, they're not even valid anymore. Yeah. So I'm curious to see what happens with all of that. That's interesting. Yeah. So really, this can only be, if Oren testifies, it can only be a win-win for him. Yeah. Because he, it's not like he's going to get any additional time. He won't get any worse sentence out of this. But is he a good enough guy that he is going to help his friend out? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Huh. I'll have to do a little follow-up on this in, in October, which would mean a part four, but you guys want it. <laughs> now, yeah, just a quick phone uh, update, but man, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. So I also have an update on uh, Grandpa, you know, Ward Weaver Jr., little Pete, who is now 77 and on death row in San Quentin. But remember, just like we were talking about in the news before we started uh, was the moratorium that was put on um, death penalty cases or right. the death penalty by Gavin Newsom. Um, so Grandpa, who's now 77. Grandpa. He's been, Grandpa Weaver, he's been, spe he's spent the last 35 years, like seriously, the last 35 years appealing his case, right? And you have to remember, this is taxpayers' money, right? He's just appealing, appealing, appealing. Mm -hmm. He actually could be released from death row and not released as in like released from jail, but... No, but moved down to Gen Pop. Yeah, because there is that condemned inmate transfer pilot program. Fancy sounding. I know. This came out of uh, Proposition, I think, 16 or 66, which is a weird number, uh, in California that was voted on in November of 2016. But what this does is inmates could voluntarily transfer to one of the designated institutions consistent with their case factors and security level. So basically that would just equal more freedom um, kind of like a change of scenery and the opportunity to participate in rehabilitation and like work programs mm -hmm. in those other places. And like I said, this was a result of Proposition 66, which was intended to speed up the death penalty appeals. That was like the whole point of it. Uh, but as soon as Barbara Lavoie's brother heard about this he was pissed and he said in a newspaper um, interview he said and I quote now to say that this murderer is going to be allowed to go to a rehabilitation program and be treated like any other low grade inmate is a slap to the face which I definitely see right so now because he's been in there so long now you know, grandpa could potentially get, I mean, still in prison, obviously, but I don't know, better circumstances, I guess, better have access to better programs. I would be mad about it too. I don't know how I feel about this one because the death penalty eats up a lot. Like you said, it's a lot of taxpayer dollars yeah. because Every appeal from the bottom to the top is covered um, under taxpayer money. Mm -hmm. For someone who's only sentenced to like life without the possibility of parole, mm -hmm. I think it's only the first couple of appeals is covered. And after that, you have to pay for them yourself. Oh. So that is one reason that death penalty costs so much. Oh, okay. Um, because until you reach the end of the line of those appeals, like basically until you get to the United States Supreme Court mm -hmm. and they either deny you or they refuse to look at you, mm -hmm. you can't actually be executed until after that. And Jeez. there are so many appeals between the initial appeal and that final one. So if they were to 
if Grandpa Weaver was to be uh, downgraded to life without parole, he would have access to all of these programs so that he can at least not just sit and rot. Like, we're spending the same amount of money on him regardless. Yeah. Like, taking death sentence off the table. So do you want to spend your taxpayer dollars on this dude just like sitting there like a potato or do you want him to actually be doing stuff like I I don't know if there's a right or a wrong answer there it's more complicated than any one thing or should we rub sandpaper on his bottom and like pour, tur- pour turpentine on it? <laughs> I don't know. That's just an alternative uh, suggestion there. Yeah. Oh. Anyways, so we'll see what happens with Grandpa Weaver. But as promised, Miss Mallory Weaver, oof. She has gotten in trouble with the law as well. Not as bad as obviously her grandfather or her father or her brother. But remember, um, if you remember part two, Mallory is friends with Ashley and Miranda. She was only 12 years old when they were both killed by her father. Yeah. And that's a lot for a 12 year old to go through. Exactly. And I mean, I can't imagine that she stayed at the same school or even the same town after that. I I didn't look at that or research into that, but I I highly doubt that's what happened. Um, In July of 2010, police were called to um, Northwest Providence Medical Center in Portland because of reports of a family attacking hospital security. And what was happening was Maria Shaw, remember, AKA Maria Weaver, Ward Weaver's first wife, she was actually admitted to Providence for some mental health issues. And okay. I guess Mallory and her stepfather, Daniel Shaw, um, showed up there the next day and just tried to forcibly remove Maria from the hospital. And apparently they were able to push past the nurse who uh, called security. And then once security got there and tried to escort them out, like a full on fight broke out between Mallory and uh, Daniel Shaw, her stepfather and uh, hotel security and hospital security. Why did they want her out? I have no idea. They just wanted to take her out. They didn't like how they we're going to hold her there for 24 hours, I guess. I don't know. So charges were pressed, obviously. Mallory and her stepfather were arrested. Um, In December of that same year, um, a jury found um, her in her trial not guilty. So um, she was going to be charged with attempted assault, disorderly conduct, criminal trespassing, and harassment. And since she didn't have a prior record to this, had she been convicted, it would have only probably been like... 10, 12 years of probation. She wasn't going, she wasn't looking at any jail time for it, but it's neither here nor there because she was found not guilty. Um, Okay. As far as where Mallory is now, I didn't find much about her, which is good news because I think that means she's just lying low and just staying under the radar. Staying under the radar. Yeah, and not getting into any trouble. So, um, yeah, that is what I have for you. And it looks like, you know, stay tuned for October when we hear more about uh, what happens in his new trial, Francis and his new trial. Um, So that is the Weavers. That is the Weaver family. Ugh, That's a lot. That is a lot. I am going to be beside myself if Mallory has children or Francis has children. And if in like 30 years, we hear something else, you know, that would be. Well, did Mallory change her name? Maybe. Uh, I think she's got, I think she got married and I think, yeah, she goes by a different last name. I would change my last name if my last name was Weaver. And that was my I'm, family. I wouldn't want to be associated with oh, that. I wouldn't want to be associated with that at all. Yeah. Yeah. So. So there you go. There's Julie's brilliant idea for the Weaver family. It's it's very interesting to watch the way it Unfolds. traces through the yeah. family. Yeah. I'm glad that it 
the, at least as of now, that things seem to be tapering off. I hope so. The cycle has to break at some point, you know? Yeah, and maybe Mallory is breaking it. Well, honestly, what she was like, her trouble with the law is nowhere. No, near in it's the same nothing. Vein. Yeah, it's nothing like her, her brother or her father or her grandfather. So and even her brother, even Francis, what he his crime, he didn't kill anyone directly. Right. He wasn't. His was a crime of like stupidity. Yeah. Not cruelty. Yeah. So maybe it is tapering off and maybe like. Like, you know, any generations after this, it'll just be like petty theft and running uh, a stop sign. Yeah. And then it ends and that would be great. And it's all out of the bloodline. So I hope. Yeah. Anyways, there you go. Thanks. The Weaver family. No problem. I am happy to get a little time off. Yeah, that was a lot. That was, that was a, a lot. That was researching every week. Yeah, I know. So enjoy that. I'm just glad all the Weaver information now is out of my head and into yours and everybody else. Yeah, and you know, I had a big empty vault for the Weaver information. So. <laughs> well, now it's there. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, well, thank you everyone for listening yeah. and thanks for... Bearing the burden oh, yeah. of these wacky, <laughs> wacky weavers. No, yeah, <laughs> the wacky uh, weavers. We will see everybody next yeah. week. Yeah, goodbye. Bye. Kat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners, and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast, and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear. So please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other and we'll see you next week. If you remember from part two, Maria and Ward, like they were just not a very happy or compatible couple. Um, France, I don't think anyone that marries into the Weaver family is, is a happy, a happy Yeah, I, you know what? I'm starting to, uh, yes, firsthand, I know that. Not firsthand. What am I saying? Firsthand. <laughs> Crystal, take me out of my misery right now. Right, this is this is our the chance the time when we reveal that uh, I am married to a weaver. (laughs) Help me, get me out of here. Your plea for help. This is my plea for help.